I think I'd been to Alberta once before in my life, and now I'm three times in six months. Um, so that is interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's thankfully, I, I was here in February, and it was horrible. Um, and this is a much better time to be here. Um, and then I'm back in a month, and I'm sure it'll be warmer, so that's good. Um, I am a Canadian, actually. So I shouldn't be con uh, um, you know, complaining about the weather. Um, but I hate snow. <laughs> and my great-grandparents chose this country. I didn't. Um, and so I thought, you know what I'm going to do what they did. I moved to the desert in California. Um, and I live in Palm Desert with my wife, Jasmine. Um, I was, I'm, I'm born and raised in Hamilton, Ontario, which is the armpit of Canada. Um, <laughs> so I just couldn't do it. I, I reckon if I was going to live in, in Canada somewhere, it'd probably be Alberta. It is, this is, I think you guys probably got the best deal here. Um, Ontario's just awful. Um, Calgary's nice. I, I really love the city. It's like a, it's like a proper city, but without like the madness of the city, you know what I mean? So it's really nice, I was hanging out there and I, I caught a Calgary Flames game um, a couple nights ago, it was fantastic. I was riding scooters around like a little munchkin um, and it was super fun. So I love where you guys live. I think you're, you know, you're, it, it could be a lot worse. Um, so believe me, I've lived in worse, so. Um, okay, well, let's get into this. Um, I've been married for eight years to Jasmine, who's Australian. Yeah. And um, I believe there's a, 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 the stat currently is seven years. It, the marriages end year seven. That's the, statistically, if you, if you look at the stats, um, it's, it was year eight, now it's year seven. And um, I remember hearing Tim Keller he has, he has this theory about why people, like marriages end at year seven. And his theory is that we, as human beings, are control freaks, we're master manipulators, and we project onto each other the idealized spouse. So never mind the fact that like dating is all lies. You know, you just, you just want that person to love you and you want to impress them. But also, you will see past glaringly obvious things that are problematic and you won't address them uh, because you don't want to rock the boat and, and you just pretend that that person is something that they're not. And then it takes seven years for them to really send the point home that they are not who you think you married. <laughs> and so couples wake up on year seven and they're like, who are you? And it's like, I'm the same person. Yes, I lied a bit, but also you, <laughs> you, you, you didn't want to know the truth and you projected on me this entire time and you can't project on me anymore. And now I'm this person that you don't know who, you know, who the heck are you? And so couples have to make a decision. Am I going to get to know this person? Right. Or am I going to walk? And people that walk typically just do it all over again. You know, they just, they just. Same thing, you know, it's like, I believe the, the, the shortest marriage is a second marriage. <laughs> Statistically, then the third one typically is just like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> Can't do this anymore. I'm broke. <laughs> um, so my wife and I are in year eight. Hello. <laughs> so it's been a year and we're getting to know each other. <laughs> We've had all those conversations. Who are you? You know, I married a musician. Why are you speaking at churches? Who are you? You know, um, and vice versa. You know, who are you? Um, and we've decided, I love Jazzy, and we've decided that we're going to get to know one another. And it's been, you know, painful at times, but we're finding out, you know, pay, paying attention to who are you? Tell me who you are. What are you, oh, you are. Oh, you're different than I, you know, so we're doing that hard work right now. And it's, it's believing God that it's going to be rewarding and it is rewarding. But one of the things that I have to do as a husband is pay attention. It's like this ninja trick, guys. <laughs> In a relationship, what you're supposed to do is allow somebody to self-define. 
You don't tell them what they are like. You allow them to tell you what they are like. Right? And so I'm in this thing where I'm allowing Jasmine to self-define and I'm getting to know her and so I'm paying attention, you know. When Jasmine rolls her eyes, it means that she likes something. <laughs> but it can also mean that she hates something. <laughs> and so you need to know which kind of eye roll this is. Uh, when we're eating food, when she rolls her eyes, that's a good thing, okay? So when she, she's been rolling, I'm paying attention, okay, rolled eyes at sushi, okay? Uh, she loves bagels with, with um, cream cheese and lox, okay? So, I'm, you know, her, but her favorite is um, avocado toast. She loves avocado toast. Now, I'm from Ontario, okay? I'm essentially trailer trash. <laughs> and I... In Ontario, I don't know what it's like in Alberta. I, we did eat at like this like kind of hoity-toity cafe. You know, like these hoity-toity cafes are like <laughs> popping up everywhere. Everybody's, you know, doing the Australian breakfast style things. And, and so I saw, this was in Red Deer of all places, and there was like avocado toast. And I'm like, wow, this is new. Um, but you know, where I grew up, you went to a truck stop to eat breakfast, <laughs> you know. And you, on a truck stop, truck stop breakfast, you get the, the farty farmer platter. <laughs> it's like three eggs, bacon, back bacon, sausage links, right? And then maybe, maybe a, some, some, some mushrooms, maybe, you know, uh, maybe some beans, who knows. Um, but you, you, eat, you eat all the important stuff. And then if you're still hungry, you begrudgingly eat the toast. <laughs> And, you know, you're covering it with jam to, to disguise the taste of toast. But I never got that far. I always ate all the meats, and then I wiped my face with the toast, and I threw it on the ground because toast is trash. And so I married this girl, and she's from Australia, and avocado toast is like a main, it's like an entree. It's, it's, that's the show. And they'll pay $26 for avocado toast, gladly. I'm like, what is wrong with you people? See, I, I would never think to love my wife getting her avocado toast. I, I, because I, I wanna love my wife the way I wanna be loved, right? And that's, that's the problem in relationships is, is you're not supposed to love somebody the way that you wanna be loved. You love them the way that they want to be loved. And so, I'm paying attention, right? I'm paying attention, getting to know you. So, so avocado toast, okay, babe. So it's, what's up with the avocado toast? Sourdough, it's sourdough. It's the, that's the secret ingredient. Okay, sourdough. So I go down to Trader Joe's and I'm doing some shopping for my wife. I know to get sourdough bread, okay? Because that's what she eats, okay. And then the avocados, I've learned about avocados. Um, you gotta press in at the top. And if it doesn't go in at all, it's not ready. If your thumb goes right through the thing, it's too ready. <laughs> it's gotta be just a little bit of an imprint there, okay? Okay, that's ready, okay, good. And then salt, once again, I just eat table salt because I'm trailer trash. <laughs> but my wife wants like the Himalayan pink salt, you know, in the bougie grinder, you know, like Salt Bay. And then, she wants a high quality producer, you know, Italy olive oil. You know, like something nice, not that big, huge bargain, you know, jug. <laughs> she wants the high, right? So this is what, and you drizzle it and all that. And so I'm paying attention to the things because I love jazz and I can't project onto her. I gotta allow her to self-define and I wanna love her the way that she wants to be loved. Now, would you agree with me that sometimes we don't understand people's preferences? You know what I, mean? I don't get it, but I love you. I think it was Oscar Wilde that said that women aren't made to be understood, they're made to be loved. Amen. You know, it's like, it's like, there's the Mother's Day quote. You know, it's like, just give mom what she wants. You know, we, we learned pretty quickly in the Pinocchio household that like you just do what she wants. It's like, oh, you know, like, and the family's just like, oh, here we go. If you knew my mom, I mean, she's, she's a wild one. Um, but we do what mom wants. And we, you know, the whole day would be whatever she wants. We get her breakfast in bed, exactly the breakfast that she wanted. Mom, mom loves um, 
she loves poached eggs. And so we do the poached eggs and, you know, toast and all that. And she loves HP sauce. And, and you know, we bring it to her and she loves her tea, Earl Grey, you know, like three sugars. Uh, I don't know how that woman has any teeth left, you know, and, 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 and cream. And, um, and then you, you know, follow her around all day and chocolates and flowers and Swiss chalet. My mother loves Swiss chalet. It's where I get it from. I'm passionate about Swiss chalet. Half chicken, two sauces. Don't give me any back talk. You know, so I got that, learned that from my mom. We, we have to learn what people love and we allow them to self-define it and tell us what they love, right? Especially if you're in a relationship with somebody, right? Right. If you're in a relationship with someone, then you show the interest and you don't love them the way that you want to be loved. You love them the way that they want to be loved. You allow them to self-define. It's really simple, guys. You listen. It's, it's, there's these holes in the side of your head. They're called ears. I just figured it out, actually. <laughs> And what you do is you, sh you shut your mouth and since this hole here is different than this hole here. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. And the sounds go in and you compute. Right? And then you do what they want. And, and that it's, it's, it seems so easy, but it's so hard because I want to love Jazzy the way I want to be loved. And it's a constant untraining and retraining. And that's, we call that domestication. <laughs> God is a person. He's not an impersonal cosmic force. He's not a vibe. God's a person. And as a person, he has preferences. Right? I may not understand somebody's preferences, but they're your preferences, and so I honor them. God's a person, and he has preferences, and you don't need to understand them. You just need to love him. And how do we know God's preferences? Well, as a per because he's a person, he, he communicates. Persons communicate what, like, what they do. Of course, there's a Bible. Because God wants to be understood. He wants to be known. You never know God exhaustively, but you can know him accurately. I'll never know my wife exhaustively, but I can know her accurately. You hearing me? Well, you could never know. Well, I know you. You know? If I can know your type of pizza, I can know God's will. We overcome, we make these really ridiculous claims. You know what I mean? God's a person. Of, the scriptures are his self-revelation. It's him showing up and he's revealing himself to humanity over a course of time, right? He deals with us collectively. That's why it's, it's over all this, this, this time. This is who I am. Hi. Hi. This is my name. You don't call me whatever you want. You call me by my name. This is who I am. And I'm a person. I have preferences. These are the things that I hate, right? These are the things that I love. My wife hates being misunderstood. Drives her nuts. She's an Enneagram four wing five. They're all about the truth. She loves it. You know, if you don't know me by now, she will start singing that every time I make a bonehead mistake. How could you not know me? How do you not know? You don't even know me. That's an insult for her to me. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, okay. You know, like, why would you get that salt? You know what I mean? Like, you don't even know me, right? I think God's maybe an Enneagram four wing five, you know? He's like, I want to be known accurately. Don't project onto me. Now, we're in a relationship with God. And seeing as we're in a relationship with him, like, we're supposed to find out what he likes. Why does it feel like when people pit religion versus relationship, what they're trying to say is, I can love God however I want. It's not, a, it's not a religion. Yeah, I know, but I've been in a relationship, buddy, for eight years. Let me I'll take a religion over a relationship any day. <laughs> a relationship is work, dude. 
you can't just do whatever you want. I have to love Jazz the way that she wants to be loved. Sounds legalistic. Yeah, it's called marriage. Try it. The ones that work, there's work. This is a microcosm of, of, of worship, this whole avocado toast talk. Christian worship is finding out what God loves and giving him the avocado toast. You don't, we don't get to love God however we want. We find out how he wants to be loved and then we love him. I mean, that's essentially the entire message of Jesus in the book of John. Okay, let's see our first scripture verse here. We got a bunch of scripture verses to cover. So here we go, Psalm 141. This is David. This is a band on the run song. <laughs> He's being pursued uh, probably by Absalom, his son, who's trying to kill him. He wants, David in this passage wants to be at the tabernacle. He loves the presence of God. But he can't be there, and so he's saying, God, I love you. I want to show you that I'm in this relationship. I know about you. I've read the law of Moses. I know what you like. I know what you don't like. Um, but I'm so far away, and I, and I have this yearning to be close to you. And so he says, Lord, let my prayer be counted as incense before you. Like, you know the incense that's right outside of your, your green room in the tabernacle? The Ark of the Covenant is there. And then right, right outside of God's green room, there's a drape. And there's a table with incense, and the priests were to keep incense burning on it perpetually. And so he's saying, you know that table and the incense, and, and you can smell that incense because that's how close it is? God, would you smell my prayers? Let my prayer be counted as incense before you. That, I want to be, let my prayer be that close. Even though I'm not there and I'm over here. And David is obviously praying prophetically because we see in the book of Revelation that the prayers of the saints are incense that are rising before the throne of God. And then he says, and, and God, I want to show you that I'm in this relationship. I want to worship you the way that you've asked to be worshipped. And so I want to bring you a sacrifice, but I'm not at the tabernacle. I can't bring a sacrifice to you there. So if I lift my hands to you in this moment, as I'm, as I'm praying to you, and I lift my hands, I've got my lips and my hands being lifted to you. Lord, would this please your heart? like the sacrifices do. And God's going, yes, I love hands. <laughs> the Hebrew word for hand is God. If you got a hand, would you just do a little audience participation moment here? Just lift a hand, just like this, like at me, yeah, great. And then just go like that. Great, hello, how are you? Okay. Uh, Hebrew word for hand is God. Hebrew word for praise is yada. To yada means to just wave the hand. You would know that word in its English transliteration, which is Judah. The Germans, those theologians, they made the J's hard. <laughs> so, you know, Judah, Jesus, Yeshua, Yada, you know, etc. Um, but we speak English, and so we'll just, we're going to keep on saying Jesus. When people say Yeshua, it creeps me out. Um, <laughs> you're English, dude. Calm down. Um, <laughs> um, so... What's the point here? The point is, is that in the Old Testament, David prophetically locks into this idea that doing this is like God's avocado toast. Why do we lift our hands? Because of this passage. Because God loves hands that are lifted. Paul, of course, is going to echo this in his instructions to the church in prayer. I want men to be lifting holy hands. Um, but then the writer of Hebrews is going to copy and paste Psalm 141 verse 2 and he's going to drop it into instructions to a New Testament church that's trying to figure out how to worship. Now the book of Hebrews is written to a bunch of Jewish Christians and they're saying, hey, okay, we're in, we like this Jesus stuff, but how do we worship God? You've taken away the temple, okay, can't bring a lamb, Jesus was the lamb. Okay, there's no priests to bring our tithes to. Like, how do we do this? And so the, book of, the author of the book of Hebrews is going to walk them through how to be a New Testament worshiper. And so what he's going to do is he's going to copy and paste Psalm 141 verse 2 in its Septuagint form and drop it in to this passage because he's setting Old Testament precedent for Jews that are going to care about that. They would know Psalm 141 verse 2. That's like... 
The Jews know the Psalms, I mean, inside out. And so he says, through Jesus then, let's continually offer up a sacrifice of yada, a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Okay, so we got Psalm 144, we've got the lips and we've got the hands, right? And then he continues on. Okay, you guys wanna keep doing sacrifices because you wanna show God that you're in this relationship? Not that you're trying to satisfy some legalistic part of yourself, but going, I'm in this thing and I wanna show you my heart. Right? In the same way that, Mom, I love you. It's Mother's Day. I want to show you that I love you. You're getting breakfast in bed. We're, we're going to the restaurant that you like. It's not legalism. It's love. You hearing me? Right? Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Some New Testament Christians, some people think that there's no sacrifices to be done. I'm in a relationship. Yeah, but you're lazy. <laughs> it's a relationship. I can do whatever I want. No, it's not how relationships work. If you do a word study on the, on the Greek word here for sacrifice, it's everywhere. Paul talks about sweet-smelling sacrifices. They're financial. Um, Romans chapter 12, your body is to be a living sacrifice, which is your logic in Latran, your reasonable, logical act of worship in light of, I don't know, the fact that Jesus bought you. Right? Everything. And so he's, he's getting practical here. And he, he rattles off three sacrifices here for the New Testament church. Now, let's deal theologically with this concept of sacrifice. Okay. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was the sacrifice for sin. Once and for all, unrepeatable sacrifice for sin. Okay. So... Christians don't sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus took care of that. We sacrifice from the forgiveness of sin. Okay? Right? I, I don't do things because, because I need God to forgive me. I'm forgiven. Right? It's under the blood. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. So because all to him I owe, I'm sacrificing because I'm in the relationship. God, I love you. Who are you? I want to show you that I'm in this. I want to be doing kingdom things that please your heart. And the grace of God is working in me to manifest these sacrifices. Right? I worked harder than them all. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. Grace is not opposed to works. It's opposed to merit. Sometimes we get real lazy. And, oh, yeah, no, I believe in grace. I don't think you understand what grace is. Grace of God will empower you to be who you're called to be so that you can do what you're called to do. Hello. No, grace is not opposed to works. It's opposed to merit that you somehow deserve this. You don't deserve nothing. And it's just the grace of God that you're even here, and it's the grace of God empowering you to be in this relationship to love the Lord. Right? Now, other reason why we sacrifice is because it's your job. Let's turn to Peter here. Peter's writing to the New Testament church. This, this verse is not written, of course, to you, but it is for you. Okay? Um, so he's writing to a New Testament church. He's a pastor, and he says, hey, guys, you yourselves, like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. Now, there's something um, about your salvation that is corporate, okay? When God, in Acts chapter two, verses 47, it says that God added to the church daily those were, that were being saved. So when God saves you, he adds you. He sets the solitary in families. You hear me, you're a living stone. A living stone. What's the purpose of a brick? When you look at a brick, what's the first thing that comes to your, and the only thing? Aside from throwing it, you know, through a window, if the flames lose. Right? The purpose of a brick is for building. You are a living stone. There's purpose in you. And today, this morning, you're fulfilling your purpose. As a living stone. Well, I'm the church. I can be the church anywhere. No. Because it's a collective. You hear me? He added to the church daily those that were being saved. And they continued the apostles' doctrine together, breaking bread, fellowship. That's the church. Who gets to define the church? Jesus, who died for it. 
the Holy Spirit who wrote the scriptures. You hearing me? Yeah. So you're a living stone when you're here. You're a rolling stone when you're in your underwear on the couch watching church at home. I'm thankful for, for online church streaming, okay? It's supplemental. When you're in traction at the hospital, watch online church. Right? When the government's losing their minds, and they're like, everybody stay at home. You might die. <laughs> I know COVID's real. I've had friends who died. I'm just saying, it's like, you know, shooting a mosquito with a shotgun there, buddy. <laughs> Uh-oh, my politics are leaking. <laughs> I'm the only one that's vaccinated in my family, by the way. Can't, can't be here if I'm not vaccinated. So annoying. Um, <laughs> so, you're a living stone. What's the purpose of the, 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 the spiritual house? Okay, this is, you're part of the spiritual house. Okay, boom. Oh, we're part of a spiritual house. This is insane. We're the temple of God as we come together. Yes, your body's the temple, but there's also a corporate temple. First Corinthians 3. Read it. Check it out. Interesting. Yeah. That God indwells you as a believer and as an individual, but he also indwells us uniquely when we're together. Interesting. Ah. There's a purpose for us gathering together. Oh. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as such is the manner of some. Oh. oh. Who, wrote, who wrote that? The author of the book of Hebrews giving instructions on corporate worship. Oh. Plot thickens. Okay, what's the purpose of a spiritual house? To be a holy priesthood. To be a holy priesthood. You're a priest. And the job of a priest is to bring the sacrifices. It's literally your job. It's your, part of your holy calling. The priesthood of the believer is like a foundational truth of the Protestant Reformation. Remember that? 400 years ago, you got Martin Luther. He's got 95 problems with the Catholic Church. One of them is that, hey, I don't need a priest. I am a priest. I just read the Bible. Maybe you guys should check it out. Like everybody's a priest. You hear me? The, whole, the way that this church works is if everybody's being a priest. We've literally designed the Protestant church for you to minister to the Lord. To offer spiritual sacrifices. What kind? Acceptable ones. Right? The breakfast that mom wants. Hey mom, I made you sloppy joes for breakfast. Um, what? That sloppy joes is going to come careening across the room. You hearing me? The job, the job I'm a, we're a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices in the, in the house, the gathered at the assembly by a bunch of priests, and they're giving God the avocado toast, what he's asked for. We used to sing this horrible song when I was a kid. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house hey, of the Lord. Come on, everybody. We bring the sacrifice of praise yee-haw into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Worst song ever. But, but best theology. Great theology. Our songs have gotten better and our theology has gotten worse. Sorry. I know all these guys who write the songs. I tell them that too, to their face. Come on, guys. We're, we're, we're coming in and we're, the, our songs facilitated our job. Why do I come to church? Because I'm a priest. I come to minister to the Lord and I've brought something with me. Oh, Lord. Ooh, I got these. <laughs> Heard you like them. Ooh. I don't know.
the spiritual sacrifices and share what you have. I've received the, I received that check that you sent me, Corinthians. It's a sweet smelling incense. It's an acceptable sacrifice to God that you sent. Two times in the New Testament, Paul talks about these sacrifices as money. God, I've, I've come to give you my sacrifice. Problem is, culture is leaking into the church. This often happens. It often happens. We have to resist it continually because it's, it's a continual onslaught, isn't it? What, what is leaking into our, into, into our churches? Consumerism. Now, hear me out. I'm a capitalist. I'm a free market guy. I love it. I like voting with my dollars. You know what I mean? Like if a business is horrible, I'm not going. And I hope that they shrivel up and die. For real, right? You go somewhere and somebody's rude. It's like, no, never coming back. And I'm telling all my friends never to come back, right? But when you go and you have a great experience, you, you become like a missionary for those people. And that's the way it should be. We shouldn't award bad business like our government does. What? I never said that. <laughs> okay. Problem is, though, when we bring that consumeristic attitude, right, where, where you yelp and you're just lighting people on fire, you go to Swiss LA and chicken's cold and Diane is mean to you, right? Zero stars, you leave a scaling review. We bring that into the church because we're consumers and not priests. And you see, when I come to church, I'm a priest, not a consumer. Yes. Problematically, what we come, we come in. <laughs> now, there are, it's, it's nice to go to a nice church, okay? Yes. And I understand that some people have their preferences. Uh, but, you know, we can come in and we make it all about ourselves. Yeah. Right? Oh, it's a little dark in there. You know, two stars. They didn't sing good, good father this morning. One star. Right? Who is this freak that's preaching? Where's Pastor Corey? Zero stars. Right? You hear me? And we forget, no, Lord, I'm here to minister to you. I'm a priest. My first and foremost duty, the reason why I'm here, is because I love you. And I've brought sacrifices. And I'm here to minister to you. What do priests do? They minister to the Lord. They minister to others. All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. My heart is steadfast, oh God. My heart is steadfast. This is another Psalm of David. And um, he says this, I will sing and make melody. He's getting ready. He's stirring himself up. He's like, I'm going to do devotions. I'm going to worship God. And then he says this really strange verse that I remember it jumped off the pages when I, when I first read it a number of years ago. He says, awake my glory. Weirdest Bible verse ever. Because usually the Bible talks about God's glory. And so he says, awake my glory. And then he defines his glory. He says, awake, O harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. So I have this, you know, this vision of him and he's strapping on his Fender Stratocaster. Right? And he's plugging into his Marshall stack. Right? And he turns it up to 11. And it's the morning, right? And he's, got, he's saying, God, I'm going to worship you, but I'm going to worship you the best part of me. I'm not going to mail this moment in. I'm going to give you the best part of me. And so he cranks it and he's going to wake the name. I will awaken the dawn. And every, you know, <laughs> you're like, <laughs> everybody has a glory. God gave you a glory. Now, all glory is from God. It's transcendent. But there's some really good parts of you. Maybe you've disciplined and you've stewarded really well. Right? God's given you some acumen, some ability. The, the Hebrew word for glory is kabod. It means weight. It's kind of like what you, the weight that you bring to a room. Let's say we're at a party. We're at Corey's house. And he's like, uh, you come in and I don't know who you are. And so I'm like, who's that dude? And, and Pastor Corey's like, yeah, that dude, he's like so-and-so, and he's a mechanic, and he's amazing, and he's a great guy, great dad. Oh, wow. You know, it's, your kabod is why somebody would text you and ask for help. Right. It's why they'd call you on the phone and get your advice. Hey, dude, you know, hey, could you come over this Saturday and help me with this or that? Or can you, you hearing me? Yeah. Right? God gave you that. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's not, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Jesus, by the way. Especially if you've surrendered your life to him. But it's from him regardless of whether you surrender or not. Yeah. Gifts of God are without repentance. And he's given that to you. And it's your glory. And this is why the scriptures say, Give unto the Lord, O you mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord glory that's through his name. Because God's going, I want that too. So, point number one, God loves Yod. He loves these. Point number two, God wants Yod with Kabod. Yeah, give me the hands. That's fantastic. Worship me the way that I want to be worshipped. Also, I want your best. Maybe your Kabod, your weight is making money. You're just a genius. You're brilliant. Maybe your Kabod is you're so articulate. You love people. You have a heart for them. And you love to just strengthen somebody, bless them, whatever it is. There's this lady at our church. She's an administrator in New York. Um, and um, I lived in New York City for eight years. And, and long story short, this girl, she, her, her kabod in the office was administration. And so I remember her, um, I remember her coming to a Christmas party, staff Christmas party. And she's not the type of person that you look at and you go, she's a dancer. She looked, she looks administrative. So she's, you know, everybody else is kind of dancing and we're having fun. And then her song comes on. And so she gets up and she starts to dance. And I remember it was like the ugliest, but most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. Like it was terrifying and wonderful at the same time. Because she was present. She wasn't good at it, but she was present. And she was giving it her, her everything. You hear me? That's Kabod too. You don't just have to be good at it. It's just when you're there. And God's going, yeah, give me your best and also be there. I was at the Calgary Flames thing, a couple, or, you know, game a couple nights ago. And they have this moment where the coach's son, who has Down syndrome, um, dances. And they put a song on and he just goes Kabod. And the whole stadium is cheering him on. And he's not a good dancer. But nobody cares because it's glory. It's beautiful. We just, we, there, there's something about when somebody shows up that we love. And God loves that too. One of the ways that I love my wife is by listening to her psychotic dreams. She has a dream every single night. I don't remember any of my dreams. But she remembers them in detail, and I know that she wants to talk about them at some point. You know, she'll bring it up, and I'll be like, here we go. You know, so, so we'll be driving or something, and she'll be like, hey, you know, um, I'll be like, do you want to tell me about your dream? Yeah. Okay, what happened, you know? So she has, she's an Australian, right? So she's like, I was, I was in Jurassic Park last night, and I was being chased by a velociraptor. I'm like, that's nuts. You know, what happened next, dear? <laughs> Showing interest, eye contact, driving. And then a Tyrannosaurus Rex came out of nowhere and started to fight with the Velociraptors. And, you know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, you know. I'll tra I'll, she trails off in the distance and I'm gone, you know. And she'll, uh, she'll Nathan, you know, where are you? God is like a woman. He knows when you're not there. So when, when we're worshiping, God wants Yod, but he wants Kabod. He wants the highest flower of your being. And he also wants you to be present. Guys, remember the first day? Remember the first date with your wife? I remember, I will never forget the first date with my wife. You know? I felt like Steven Tyler. Don't want to miss a thing. <laughs> You're just, even when I dream of you. <laughs> You're just so dialed in. God's going, give me that. 
That's why we give our money. We give our money because it represents our time. You get paid for what you're good at. So when you give your money, you're giving God your glory. Do you understand that? Do you see the connection there? God, here's a, here's a chunk of my life. It's a pretty good chunk. And there can be a disconnect where we're giving God Yod, but there's no Kabod. And God's going, yeah, thanks, but where are you? Oh, no, give me the avocado toast, but where are you? You know, we adopt forms, but there's no heart. Draw near with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. Last point. When you give God Yod with Kabod, you know, your hands and your heart and your life, your presentness, your weight. When you give God Yod with Kabod, you get God with Kabod. That's why we give God Yod with Kabod, so that we can get his Kabod. God has a weight, God has a glory. And James chapter four says, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Yes, God is omnipresent, but his glory is not. Why else would, would James say that? God shows up, the God of Israel shows up uniquely when he's honored throughout the Old Testament. When he's honored, man, he shows up in power. You know, the fire falls on the altar because it's, he's a consuming fire. It represents like a, him. I'm here. I've heard your prayers. I'm changing things. And I'm convinced that there's a lot of Christians who you given God Yod, maybe not, not even giving God Yod, it's just like trying to worship him your own way. And there's an obvious, so you don't care. You're projecting onto him. Well, you, know, you hear people talk like this. Well, my big, you know, it's like uh, Will Ferrell in Talladega Nights. You know, dear seven pound, eight ounce baby Jesus. It's like, who are you praying to, bro? It's a figment of your imagination, you know? And we just worship God however we want. No, no, we're going to worship. We're going to give him acceptable worship. That was he've asked, asked for. So we're giving him acceptable worship, but then there's no kabod. There's no glory. So thank you. Thank you for bringing what I asked. Also, where are you? It's just not your best. And so people don't experience God's glory. There's Christians that you're a Christian. You're not going to hell, but you're mailing it in. And so God will be faithful to not show up. Because when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. And then James gets into the Yod and Kabbalah language. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. How do I do that? Give them what is given is sanctified. You give the 10%, the 90% is sanctified. Purify your hearts. How do I purify? How do I purify my hand and my heart? Your hands and your heart, your, 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 your Yod and Kabbalah have been all about you. Building you building your life. And then you begin to go, God, my hands and my kabod, they're gonna to begin to build things that you care about. You hear me? I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a kingdom guy. So if we're wondering, like, how do we worship God? Here, at church, gathered, lifting our hands because he's asked for them. Singing songs, not because we thought karaoke might be nice, but because he loves our songs. And, he, and, and we come here to give to him because we're priests. And as we do this, he shows up. And, and we bring our money, we bring our tithes and our offerings because you're in a relationship with him. When I got married, joint bank accounts, baby. My wife has access to every part of me. It's scary. She has my credit cards, but she has access to me. And when I give Jasmine the avocado toast and my attention and my kabod, babe, you can have all my money. You can have everything. I get Jasmine and her glory and her kabod. You hear me? I get her attention. I get her glory. Intimacy begets intimacy. 
We're gonna end with this. You look through the Old Testament, there's this principle. When people honor the Lord, they give him the sacrifice that he's asked for, he shows up. Like, just faithful. The principle is this, seriously, every single altar, he shows up. The principle is this, every acceptable sacrifice has a divine response. Every acceptable sacrifice, this is exciting, has a divine response. Every acceptable sacrifice has a divine response. So when you come into the presence of God, and you go, God, I'm here for you. And God, I brought these with me. Heard you like them. I lift them to you, Lord. As we worship you, as we sing songs that worship you and you know, I lift my hands to you and I, I worship you, God. I, and, and my hands represent my life, God. I, you know, and I lift my soul to you, God, my attention. And, 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 you know, and you're thinking, have I, what about the rest of me, the best of me? Some of my, my finances that represent, you know, the best of me. Have I given that? I don't know about you, but I'm the most ADD worshiper. I'm the most ADD worshiper. I'll be up, you know, we'll be singing, you know, a song. And I'll be singing, what was the song that we were singing earlier? About behold, be, be, behold him, behold him, lift up your eyes, you know. Behold him, behold him, let the leaves win the cup this year. <laughs> right? And I just start to drift, right? Like, break the curse. It's been decades, right? I'm just, and I, I, I'm distracted and, and I have to repent and I just come back and I'm, it's like me in the car. It's like marriage is, it's continual repentance, isn't it? And I'm like, I'm like, I'm back, babe, I'm back. You know, tell me what, what happened next. Uh, then the Tyrannosaurus Rex, he got destroyed by a laser beam, you know, like, I'm like God, I'm back, I'm back. Lord, I'm, I'm back. I haven't been perfect with my giving, but I'm back because I love you and I want your presence. I want your glory in my life. And you promised all throughout scripture, you promised that when you're honored, you show up and I need you to show up in my life. God, I don't want to live my life without your glory. I need it in my relationships. I need it in my business. I need it in my, my peace at home. God, in every part of me, I want you to lean in. And I know this, that every acceptable sacrifice has a divine response. And so when I lift my hands to you, and God, I know that I've given to you, and that there's, there's no place in my life that you can't invade. And, and you know, honestly, and this, is, this is one of the issues, is we think that God's looking for, perfect, for perfection. He's not. He's looking for a pulse. He's looking for somebody that'll just come back. Just come back. Oh, you know, I, oh, I, you know, I can't possibly worship God with everything. Yes, you can. Just show up like you show up in your relationships. Imperfectly, but you're there. I'm back. God, I'm back. I, I, I'm, I'm back. I, I'm here. I'm here. I've been so distracted, but I'm back. Here, here, here are the hands that you deserve. Here's the money that you deserve, God. Here's my, my time. I'm going to begin to give you my time. I'm shifting my focus from myself to kingdom things. And God, I know that as I do that, Every acceptable sacrifice has a divine response. I lift my hand knowing that fire is coming from heaven. I give my money, stand up church. I give my money knowing that fire is coming from heaven. I don't know when it's coming. I don't know where it's coming. But I know that the fire of God is coming into my life. Your glory is going to soak my life. That is why we worship. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for a church that is full of the glory of God. God, I'm asking that individuals today, people's lives would be changed. But as they repent, we turn from and we turn towards, we would experience times of refreshing that are from the Lord. God, thank you that every time we repent and we go, God, I'm back. Times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. God, we're here. we need your presence. We want your presence in our lives. We want your glory in our lives, God. We don't want to be a people that mail this thing in, but we want to experience your glory. 
God can speak and he could change everything for you. God could literally change everything for you. When he shows up, things change. I just need God to change. Cool. Worship him in spirit and in truth. I need God to show up in this situation. Cool. Worship him in spirit and in truth. He will show up. He's always faithful to. He will be faithful. Listen to me. He will be faithful to show up in your circumstance. He will show up. His glory shall be revealed. God, we want to be a church where corporately, where when people come in, they sense the glory of God. They don't come in and they see perfect people. There's nobody here polishing halos. We're a bunch of very broken, messed up people worshiping you imperfectly. But God, they will sense that this is a church that repents. This is a church that seeks God. This is a church that comes back to you. This is a people who love you, God. They honor you. They worship you in spirit and truth. This is a church that gives you acceptable sacrifice. And because of that, they sense your glory. They sense your presence. And that is the, that's the difference maker. God, right now, you know, Holy Spirit right now, he's, Holy Spirit has like this, this marker, you know, big yellow marker, and he circles places in our hearts. <laughs> he's like that annoying English teacher with a red pen. On this, that needs to be changed. Comments. Circle. This needs to be. Why is this here? This is, what are you? What's wrong with you? The Holy Spirit's doing that right now. He's circling. He's highlighting. He's making some comments. You sense it in your heart. Lord, where? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know where. <laughs> I know exactly. Lord, I know. And I'm, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Because it, it's all about you. And I'm sorry for the thing that I've made it. I'm sorry that I've made it all about myself. It's all about you. And I'm going to bring you more than a song. I'm going to bring you my life. Because I want your, your presence and I want your glory. And that's the prize. Nothing else matters. In Jesus' name.